The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Life Matters. I'm your host, Brendan O'Connell. Well, we have a very special guest uh, who's been a pro-life warrior since 1968. And for those that haven't taken new math, that's 53 years. And she's been involved in a myriad of different aspects of the pro-life movement. Uh, and we're going to talk to her today about uh, how uh, in Wisconsin they were able to stop a, uh, a mortuary from being created. And then also, they, I think they closed down another one. And then uh, look at some of the positive aspects uh, of the current day pro-life movement, uh, which are encouraging indeed. Well, welcome Dr. Elise Rose. Hi, Brendan. Nice to have you today. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. And uh, I, I wanted to ask you, first of all, is how, how did you prevent an abortuary from being um, placed in Wisconsin in the first place? Who was involved? What groups, uh, the pro-life side, uh, the pro-abortion side? Yeah. The main two groups involved were um, Pro-Life Action League, which was a kind of a subsidiary of Joe Scheidler's Pro-Life Action League in Chicago. We had a, a, a satellite group in Wisconsin. This was in Madison, Wisconsin, and the University of Wisconsin proposed having a second trimester surgical abortion center placed in a general surgery center on their campus. And we found out about this, their plans. They planned to bring in a new abortionist and she was very enthusiastic about doing late term abortions. But members of our group managed to survey the workers, uh, that is the doctors, nurses, and other medical personnel who already worked in the surgical center at the University of Wisconsin. And we found that 95% of them were opposed to placing the, the abortuary there to, to doing um, secondary master abortions at that facility. So we presented this fact to the university and said, your own people don't want to do this. They're against their they're regular doctors, they're healers, and they don't want a killing center to be placed here. Another thing we did was we, we, maintain a continual prayerful presence outside the building where they wanted this to place this abortion activity in this surgical center uh, for many months, uh, over a year. Um, and Dr. Rick, um, I mean, Father Rich, Richard Heilman, who many people are familiar with from his, his blog, Roman Catholic Man, and he's the founder of the Knights of Divine Mercy. This was this was in 2010, this started. And 
um, Steve Carlin, who now works for 40 Days for Life, he was very instrumental in doing this. But our group, which was, I don't know, several dozen people, we just kept coming around this building, praying. Uh, we we found out that the, the people working in the medical center did not want this. And finally, uh, the university caved after... Well, after about a year, they kept delaying opening this center. And finally, the the abortionist who, who had pushed for this in the beginning, the one they, they hired to come run this, she she quit in, and said she didn't feel like she had the support of the university because they wouldn't go against their own people's wishes mm-hmm. and put in place this uh, abortion facility in in the surgical facility. So uh, after about two years, they gave they said we're not going to do this. That's the administration at the hospital. Is that yes. correct? At, at at the University of Wisconsin. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's still a Planned Parenthood clinic in or facility in Madison, Wisconsin. But this is in a very very. Um, leftist town very leftist people say it's berkeley with bad weather in berkeley and yet, with bad weather <laughs> well were you out and picketing yet, all year and yet, all winter long yes yes oh yes outside in the dead of winter uh earlier i had done a vigil for a year and two months for 14 months i went to the abortuary every day for two hours that was wow. the planned parenthood facility there they were forced to move out of a, a more public area to to buy their build their own facility where they had a a large uh, bubble zone parking lot. Um, but this this one that the university uh, was going to put in was because it was public funds. It was even more offensive than Plan- Planned Parenthood, and because it was second trimester. Abortions. These were viable children who would be killed, mm-hmm. and uh, the, it was very distasteful to the people that work there. And Wisconsin is a state that is a purple state. There might be a lot of people in Madison who are pro-abortion. There, there are also a lot of pro-lifers in the state of Wisconsin. They may not mostly live in Madison, but there were a lot of people. And Father Rick brought his Knights of Divine Mercy. We had a lot of people praying and singing outside that that uh, surgical facility. And I think that let the city know, the university know, and the people who worked in the building know that, you know, if they did this, we were not going away. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, congratulations on uh, preventing that uh, abortuary from being open. Now, also, uh, you've made efforts. I don't know. Was it with the same group uh, on on no, closing an no. abortuary? The one we closed was in Fort Myers, Florida. I, I was part of a different group. I moved to Florida in 2012, and um, right after that, they announced the that they were not going to do that facility in Wisconsin. But I moved to Florida to work at Ave Maria University. And immediately joined a sidewalk counseling group. Uh, and we worked outside of uh, a little freestanding. We 
did sidewalk counseling outside a little freestanding abortuary in a strip mall. And that, that abortionist whose name was Azima is Azima. He, um, was evicted from that strip mall. The landlady didn't like him. So he moved to a very big shopping center, which included a Winn-Dixie supermarket and two restaurants and furniture store, a lot of, a lot of other stores. So because it was such a huge parking lot and they have the bubble zone, so we could not speak to the women that were going in there. But this was on a very major intersection in Fort Myers, Florida, Pine Island and Winkler, I think. Anyways, uh, this shopping center is called Weaver's Corner. And uh, we could only be outside of the parking lot. We, we could be on the sidewalk. Uh, probably a, at least a football field, probably farther than that away from the actual abortuary because the parking lot was so big. But we decided we were does, still going to show up. Does that mean uh, Florida had bubble zones at that time? And, and do, uh, do they now after <sighs> the McCullen they decision? Have a, they have a rule that you, I mean, I don't know if it's uh, a Florida law or the FACE law, which was passed in 96, uh, freedom of access to clinic entrances, they interpreted that we could not go on the the property. The private parking lot. Including the parking lot. We could be on the public sidewalk, which we did. So dozens of us, and the main two groups involved here were um, United Prayer Vigils for Life, which is a sort of a coalition of Catholic churches and several Protestant churches that came together um, to do this. They had they had formed before this this particular um, effort, and they we would stand outside Planned Parenthood and this little freestanding uh, abortuary. But he moved. It, he got evicted from the small strip mall where we could actually talk to the women because the parking lot was so small. He moved to this place with a huge parking lot. So we were somewhat discouraged. And I think un, we were not banking on the Holy Spirit as we should have um, to, to, do, to work his miracles. So what we did was just stand and pray basically every single day most the United Prayer Visions for Life is is a, a lot of them are retired people, and they just they just do this every single day. They go out for two hours around the time the abortuary opens for two hours and stand there with signs and and praying. So we began to be approached by the furniture store merchant, and eventually by by the the owner of the or the manager of the grocery store, but especially the restaurateurs. They hated us being there because no restaurant wants to be associated with an abortion facility. That's just really bad for their business. And were you we holding were, signs, any signs that would uh, be yes. offensive we to had the, signs. We had signs, we had signs. Most of our signs were the typical ones you see, pray to end abortion, choose life, and you know, pictures of happy babies and that kind of things. We didn't have the, the gruesome pictures for the most part. People didn't do that. Just stood outside and prayed, sing a little bit, march up and down a little bit. But we had 
never less than 12 people there. And sometimes we had students come from uh, Ivory Marie University, which is about an hour and 15 minutes away, about once a week. Uh, we'd get about somewhere between 20 and 40 students to come. But it was not, we thought we were not able to contact the women, although research has shown that when you have even one person standing outside an abortion facility, you discourage at least 20% of their business from going in because women don't want to, they don't want to cross a, a line of people praying and they don't want to have, um, a lot of women are praying for something to give them a sign not to go in. So anyway, we, we went in. A lot of pregnant women. Uh, are, a lot of pregnant women. Are yeah. looking for a but, sign. But anyway, we, we stayed with our plan and we just kept going. Anyway, one day, one of the restaurant owners came up to one of our leaders, who was Paul Murray, and said to him, you know, look, we don't even mind your, your, your pray to end abortion or choose life signs. That's, that's not bothering us. But you have a little sign. This is just a little homemade sign that said, Babies being murdered here. And that really bothers us. That bothers our customers. You, you need to go away. You need to not bring that sign. The next week, within a few days, uh, Paul made two giant. The first sign was that he complained about was like a foot and a half by two feet. Just a little picket sign type size. He made two giant four foot by five foot signs that took two people to carry that said babies being murdered here. No pictures, just babies being murdered here. The merchants went nuts. They went to the landlady and said, you've got to get him out of here. They realized we weren't going away. I mean, they by asked him, Paul. You mean you got to get Paul out of there or they need to get the abortion out of there? The abortionist. The abortionist. The abortionist. They realized after they told Paul they didn't like that sign. What did he do? He made two giant signs <laughs> that said this thing. They realized we weren't going away until the abortionist went away. We went uh, and within a month, the landlady canceled the abortionist's lease. He tried, he said he would give her twice the money that she was getting before. And she said, no, I will lose my other merchants if you stay. So she, it, this just shows in both of these cases, we didn't even deal directly with the abortionist. We dealt with the people around the abortionist. In, in the case in Wisconsin, it was the people who would have had to, so the, the other medical workers around, here it was the other merchants around. So finally, um, she, he asked for an extension. He asked to stay three months. She said, no, you have two months to get out and that's it. And she wouldn't, she wouldn't uh, do anything. So he, I mean, we tried to get him to retire. He, at that point, this is three years ago, he was 84. And it, he, he was- The abortionist really, was 84 years old? Yes, wow. and, and he had already had his medical license revoked twice. But anyway, he, he was expelled. And so what did we do? We went right after that. We had a little, you know, prayerful celebration. And then we went to all the restaurants. We shopped at every store in that shopping center after he was, after he was gone. Mm -hmm. So, but we kept at least one person. 
Like one day I remember we had a Jericho march around the Planned Parenthood, which was in a different location in Fort Myers, but he was still open. This was the last day he was open officially for business. And I said, but he's open. We're having a Jericho march somewhere else. We knew he was going, but I said, I'm still going to be there for that one woman who might come in on his last day. I'm going to, I'm going to go and carry my sign and pray the rosary outside that facility. So this is just to encourage people. You might think you're not being effective, but just having this culture of life, atmosphere of life, offering help to the women, you know, even if we don't think they heard us, but, you know, we were there with our pamphlets in case they, they had questions for us. And is that abortionist still, he, did he relocate or did he retire? Or? He already had another facility. He, he did this one in Fort Myers a couple of days a week and he had another one in Port Charlotte. Now he's still, as far as I know, still practicing in Port Charlotte, unless he's lost his license again. We tried to get him to retire um, and I said, look, you're a doctor. You could do real medicine. You don't have to do this. And he said, no, I, I want to do surgery. Abortion is surgery. I have, I can't just, he's from Egypt. I tried to get him to go back to his home country. I said, they need doctors in Egypt. We can't you be a regular doctor in Egypt? And he, he wouldn't go. Hmm. I see. I think it's, I think it was the money, but also he was very, you know, he was a, he was very committed to doing abortion. Hmm. I see. Well, now, on an optimistic note, uh, you believe that there are some favorable trends uh, in the pro-life movement. What would those be? Yeah. And uh, what, what would lend itself to that optimism? Well, um, certainly until recently, until the last reporting year, the rate of abortion and the actual numbers of surgical abortion and the numbers overall, not just surgical, including chemical and surgical abortion, uh, have declined sharply. The rate and the actual numbers are about half what they were in, at their maximum, which was, two, uh, was 1980 and 1990, um, 1980 for the rate and 1990 for the actual numbers, I believe. I may have that backwards, but anyway, the 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 at the maximum there were over four thousand abortions a day in the U.S. and now it's it's two thousand something a day. Now that's not that's not good. That's two thousand lives lost. But it's still an improvement over what we had. And the number of women who have unplanned pregnancies that are taking them to term is much greater. It's not because more people are using contraception. We're only counting unplanned pregnancies here, not counting, um, you know, that fewer people are having babies overall. Yes, that's true too, but we're, we're talking about unplanned pregnancies, what, what the woman chooses to do, and more women are choosing to continue the pregnancy than to abort, abort uh, than in the past. Do, do you see a yeah. court? A correlation between there are many, many more pregnancy help centers now than there were back yes, in the early absolutely. 80s. Uh, I think that's one of the main numbers. If you look at the numbers of abortuaries, abortion facilities in the U.S., about 30, 40 years ago, like we were seeing 
1980-1990, there were 3,000 places in the U.S. you could get an abortion and 600 uh, pregnancy help centers. There were very few. When I started doing this, in the, when I became an activist as an adult in the 70s, it, there were very few uh, pregnancy help centers. There were about 600 across the country. Now there are more than 3,000 pregnancy help centers, and there are only about 700 uh, places to get an abortion in the U.S. So it's completely flipped. Mm-hmm. I think another there's another thing active too is that the the younger it used to be that the most pro-life people in society were the older people the older you got the more likely you were to oppose abortion now the most the the highest percentage of those abo- opposing abortion is not found it's certainly not in my you're in my generation the baby boomers we're we're a horrible generation when it comes to abortion. Yeah, we, we, we are the, the most pro-abortion generation. But if you look at the people under 20 are the most likely to oppose abortion. And I think there's a, there's a sensitivity and compassion in young people. The other thing is they've seen abortion in, and they've seen that it, it doesn't do women any good. It doesn't do... They they probably know somebody who's had an abortion, and they see that it isn't really it isn't really a positive experience for the woman. Much, and if they, if they've been able to break through the the lies of of the culture, they see that abortion really is murder. And how can you, I mean a lot of these people are vegans? How can you be a vegan and say it's okay to kill a human being? I don't know. That, I've never heard that correlation before. Well, uh, I mean, <laughs> Rachel McGarry, back when I was the uh, vice president of Feminists for Life, our president was Rachel McNair, and she used to, she lived in Kansas City, where I grew up, and she, she used to say, welcome to Kansas City, the home of the, the solar-powered bomb factory and the vegetarian abortionist. Uh, so uh, there are people, but that's, that doesn't make that's a cognitive dissonance. So now you see, you see a an unwillingness to use violence to solve a human problem in some of the younger people. I'm not saying all young people are pro-life. I'm saying that it's a little easier to reach them. I don't know. I wasn't prepared for people believing in the blob of cells theory, you know, and that's what I think caused people to go from my generation to go into denial about what was really happening in abortion. But I think that we've kind of broken through that. People know. Well, is that it because of ultrasound? They, they know that like even Bernard Nathanson. Yes, ultrasound, ultrasound and yes, principally that ultrasound is so much more sophisticated than when we were young. Um, it it was you could barely get a still picture. Now you have moving ultrasound. You can see the baby kicking and smiling and sucking its thumb and uh, that kind of thing. And I think there is a a bonding with the baby once you do see that um, that is sort of inescapable. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think well, I go think ahead. we as we can't let ourselves be discouraged by temporary setbacks 
because there will be those. Uh, this is a fallen world and we have evil in the world and evil has held sway in this area for, what is it? Uh, it'll, it'll be 50 years in, uh, in, two, in a year and two months. Right. And so for 49 years, all across the country, we've had abortion and virtually without limits. Now we're, we're beginning to, to see that it really didn't, it really didn't help women at all. Right. The, I know David Reardon, Dr. David Reardon out of the Midwest, he's, he's done a lot of uh, studies of this and he's found that while a woman who has abortion might have immediate relief because the pressure of the problem is quote unquote gone away, uh, many other negative, almost all the other factors are negative factors. Right. You know, higher suicide, higher alcoholism, higher drug use. and Higher eating disorders, higher rate of divorce, higher rate of unemployment, higher spousal abuse, higher child abuse. All the things they, they told us would be alleviated. And um, the, the use of, of violence to get rid of the child rather than address the woman's other problems. I mean, I think that's why the pregnancy help centers are so important. They address the woman's other problems. She has problems. Mm -hmm. usually financial, but now there, there are all kinds of support systems uh, that are in place to help women in this and, and to help men that are in this, in this uh, circumstance. Predicament. Well, uh, Elise Rose, Dr. Rose, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, uh, we really appreciate it. And it's nice to hear stories where abortion clinics are not opened up or they're closed and, and that uh, the young in our in our world are becoming a more of a pro-life generation. Appreciate your time, and thank thank goodness we'll see you down in Florida sometime, hopefully in February. Okay, I <laughs> hope yeah, come and visit over the winter. <laughs> okay, nice and, here now. Yeah, it's uh, and, 75 today. <laughs> and folks, we hope you found today's show to be unique, informative, content-rich, truthful, and thought-provoking. Thanks for watching. I'm Brendan O'Connell, your friend for life. Proceeding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass. 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 617 3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.